Hey, Changemakers. Welcome back to the Engage for Good podcast. I'm your host, Allie Murphy. Imagine being able to activate a rapid response effort that mobilized hundreds of millions of dollars in just one month. That's exactly what PayPal did when the war in Ukraine broke out. How did they do it? And how can companies effectively plan for and respond to crises? Let's back up a bit. Rapid response events are happening more and more frequently, and companies are expected to respond. Unfortunately, few have systems in place to decide when and how to engage with societal, man-made, climate-induced, and humanitarian crises. In today's episode, I'm joined by Karen Little, PayPal Strategic Partnerships and Rapid Response Lead. We talk about how the brand has evolved its corporate rapid response and what it was like to create a flexible framework to respond to urgent events while promoting speed, consistency, impact, and equity. Winners haven't been announced yet, but PayPal's Ukraine response, which we'll dive into, is a 2023 Halo Award finalist. In today's episode, we'll explore best practices for effectively planning for, assessing, and determining high-quality response strategies, PayPal's flexible framework for rapid response and how putting it into action is an art and a science, PayPal's stakeholders and how they influence response strategies, what their tiger team is and how leadership is involved, how they proactively secure nonprofit partners, and the assets they leverage for response and examples of possible interventions. If you enjoy this episode, come join us at EFG 2023, where Karen will lead a breakout session on this very topic. We'll be in Atlanta, May 16th through 18th, and you should come join us. And with that, let's get started. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. Hey, Karen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Allie. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. I got to talk to you earlier today about Engage for Good in your session, and now we're going to talk about more in depth about your response. So before we get too far into it, we are all more than what we do for work, which I could say forever. But tell us a little bit about who you are as a person and what you do at PayPal. Yeah, thank you. So so Karen Little, I um, have a background in human development and international relations and economic empowerment. So I have spent, uh, let's see, 15 years on the nonprofit side. So I spent about five years at American Heart Association and then 10 years at Kiva, the global microfinance nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And then I've been for almost four years. So I switched over to the private sector about four years ago. And the common thread throughout all of that is this deep belief that there are very smart people everywhere, but who don't have the same access to opportunities. And so I've had the opportunity to live in places like India for a year as part of my master's in international relations. I had the opportunity to live in Liberia and West Africa for Kiva mm-hmm. doing a microfinance fellowship. And um, throughout all of that, I, I've, it's been so powerful to see firsthand the impact that financial inclusion, financial health can have on people um, to, you know, help start and grow businesses and support their families. So in terms of my role now at PayPal, our mission is to democratize financial services. Right. And that's one of the reasons I came to PayPal is that it's a very mission-driven corporation. And um, we have such strong leadership and we focus on financial health and financial inclusion and economic empowerment. And so that that can be around racial equity. That can be in times of crisis, like rapid response. 
It can also be thinking about climate resilience and the people who are most vulnerable to climate change. And so all of our programs and our engagements with customers and employees tie around those central themes. And so I get to work on on those issues. So that's a bit a bit of background. I will add, I live here in the Bay Area, um, just north of San Francisco in Marin County. I am an avid hiker. I'm an yeah. avid reader. I have um I have a four-year-old and a five-year-old, two girls. So um have my, you know, hands full with them. And um, you know, and I just really enjoy getting to spend a, you know, a decent amount of time in nature. I like kayaking. That's another passion I've recently come into. Ooh, I like that one too. I don't kayak. My parents just moved to Bend. They do, but my husband and I and I think all of our friends have stand-up paddle boards. So that's our summer activity. Yeah. Fun. Okay, so we're talking about rapid response today, how the world has changed, expectations of corporations. But before we dive in, I feel like we have to take a step back and define what is rapid response. Some might think we're talking about natural disasters, which would make sense, but that's only a quarter of your issue areas. What does rapid response mean to PayPal? a great question. And and you're right. You know, I've seen even in the last couple of years that I've been focused on this, that some people call it extraordinary events, crisis management, crisis response. We specifically chose rapid response and have defined it as an unexpected social or cultural, natural, political, or economic event that requires very quick resource mobilization And for us, our definition includes quick resource mobilization at a customer, employee, um, or a corporate level. And so I think one of the key words in there is unexpected. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this kind of work so challenging. And that's part of why we have been focused on this area so much is that we want to try to bring some sort of framework and structure to those moments that we know inevitably will come, but um, will no doubt be unexpected. Right. Okay. So if natural disasters is one piece of it, what are the other pieces for you? Yeah. So so you can think of some of the examples would be, um, so with natural and climate-induced disasters, some of the recent ones are things like Hurricane Ian, mm-hmm. um, we have the floods in Europe in 2021, the Australian bushfires. The other categories we have are humanitarian crises. So obviously things like uh, Ukraine, the the refugee crisis, the Afghan refugee crisis, COVID also falls, you know, the global COVID crisis mm-hmm. falls into a humanitarian crisis. And then there's a, 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 a another bucket that we have called social justice and identity. And so that's things like Black Lives Matter. And that's when we launched our five. So immediately following the murder of George Floyd, we stood up a $535 million commitment to racial equity. So that's Black Lives Matter. There's also Stop Asian Hate, those types of, you know, issues that can come up. And then the fourth area that we focus on is man-made disasters. Things like if you remember a couple of years ago, there was the Miami condo collapse, right. um, oil spills. So things that are man-made. Mm-hmm. And so those are the, the types of events and like the, 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 the categories that we look at with our response framework. Which is definitely a lot broader than just natural disasters. Exactly. Yes. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how things have evolved over time. Did you start with just natural disasters and you branched out from there? What does rapid response look like at PayPal? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, so we have tended to focus more on immediate needs. 
mm-hmm. right? So there's a, you know, an earthquake or a typhoon in the Philippines or something that requires immediate mobilization of support. That is typically what we have have done, you know, in terms of our response. What we're doing now is we're thinking about what can we do proactively and then what can we also do for rebuilding? So we're not just focusing on these, you know, peaks of intensity, but trying to smooth it out more where we then have a more proactive approach. So one thing we did is started with thinking about human-centered design, you know, those types of um, responses. So how can we best meet the needs of our employees or our customers or the company or shareholders in times of rapid response? So really leveraging some of that design thinking. And, you know, we were just talking about the different categories. We expanded the categories from just having the one category to now having four categories. Mm -hmm. Um, Something else we did was we were already doing this organically. We were already having a cross-functional approach of, you know, our peers in product and marketing and, you know, cause verticals, all sorts of other teams. But what we did is we formalized having a rapid response committee who could come together very quickly, right. um, you know, via video and align on a response and then share it with our executives and immediately start implementing. And so we've set up things like a dedicated Slack channel. We've created things like a scorecard to add some objectivity to all of it. I will say having done this now for a couple of years, it may be obvious, but, you know, these times of rapid response are often quite um, emotionally charged for people. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Whether you're working on it yourself or you're talking to employees who who care about what is happening or have been impacted directly themselves or customers. And so, you know, it, it can be hard to be objective, but so we created a scorecard to, you know, in an attempt to add more objectivity. So we know, and we've said this throughout our process of evolving our framework, that we know that it's always going to be an art and a science, um, mm-hmm. but we've tried to you know, add some objectivity. And so what we did is we put together a tiger team um, that was four of us from a you know, couple different teams who spent several months coming together weekly to iterate on and refine and design this rapid response framework. And by design, it is flexible. So again, back to that sort of art and science, it is flexible, it provides a guide, but it's not something, you know, we know that there will be exceptions. Um, some of what that includes is things like our different interventions, mm-hmm. um, you know, for employees, for customers, things like having a decision tree for decision making. Um, we also know there are hyper local rapid responses that come up. So you know, example could be like a typhoon in the Philippines where we would then work closely with our colleagues in Manila. Um, and and something else, two other things we've done that have been really interesting with this uh, evolution is taking a look back at how we responded to prior crises with the new framework and, and getting a sense right. of would we actually done something differently or not? Or did we, you know, that sort of thing. And then the other one is now we have a practice of after every response, we have a debrief. And that's bringing, and we have a survey with all the key people who are involved. So with Ukraine, you can imagine that was dozens and dozens of people. Um, Same with Turkey, Syria. And so, you know, a lot of people provide feedback and then we'll have a quick 30 minute meeting. We'll talk about the high level takeaways and what, what the next steps are, what we can weave in. So, um, so it's been a, you know, a journey we have, um, we've had the, the new framework for about a year and a half now. So we've been able Mm -hmm. to use it. 
And, um, but that just, you know, gives you a sense hopefully of how it has evolved and been enhanced over time. I like it. Okay. So best in class campaigns, we talk about this a lot, are transformational instead of transactional. And typically they use a variety of assets on usually both the nonprofit and the corporate side, but on this side, the corporate, you have three different buckets that you draw from. What are they and what are some of the interventions within them that you can leverage? Yeah. And this is where I think it gets really interesting, right? Because every when you think about corporate rapid response, every corporation is going to have different different um, examples of how they can provide support, uh, leveraging their core capabilities. And so for PayPal, obviously, we're, we, we provide a payment solution. And so for us, that includes things like from the corporate side, when we can provide general business support. Um, when we can provide a corporate contribution, when we can, um, you know, for example, in Ukraine, we were able to waive fees, um, you know, in terms of providing access uh, to people peer to peer who could receive funds in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's very PayPal that we were able to do. We also are able through our PayPal giving fund platform, we're able to raise millions of dollars of funds for nonprofits at zero percent where the, the fees for the nonprofits are waived. So those are just some examples that are very, you know, specific to PayPal. And then um, and with customers, too, if you think about um, the, you know, we have over 400 million customers and we can communicate with them on our apps, on the website. We can provide critical alert banners. We can feature certain charities. We can uh, we can do matching to customer contributions. And then we also have giving at checkout. So you can give at checkout. We can highlight certain organizations. And then with employees, we have a lot of the same kind of tools where we can send an email and do an employee campaign. We can match donations to certain nonprofits. Something we've started to do more of and wrap our heads around more is skills-based volunteering. And that's usually more right. for long term. So that's like the rebuilding phase. Yeah. And so that's something that that we're doing a bit more of. Um, and so those are, those are the main um, interventions that we do. Okay, I like this. And I I can be someone who's guilty of saying, okay, well, this is this is great, but how does it apply to me? So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a different question of if you yeah. had to, can you give a different example to kind of bring this to life for people? PayPal core business function, got it. Is there another corporation that you could think of that uses their core business function so that listeners can go, Oh, there's a different way, and now maybe I could think about it this way for me? Yeah, there's lots of amazing examples. I would say one that struck me during COVID was LinkedIn. Um, They were able to use their core capability um, of their platform and enable hospitals to post open, you know, job recs, like, you know, open roles for nurses um, in times of need. And so that was an example of something that, you know, that LinkedIn was able to do. And Mm -hmm. Um, and I was really inspired by that. I feel like that, you know, that was a perfect example of how corporations can use their core capabilities. Okay. Can you give an example from a recent response to kind of demonstrate this plan and your framework in action? Yes. So I think the I think an example that makes sense to share would be the war in Ukraine and our response to the humanitarian crisis. Mm-hmm. So we... So this is an example of we had just finalized our new framework. And so on February 24th of 2022, we immediately convened the Rapid Response Committee. We came, we aligned on what our recommendation would be to our executives. Then we began to roll it out. 
And essentially what we ended up doing over the coming days and weeks was we launched a massive customer engagement campaign. And we ended up raising $623 million um, for over 200 nonprofits globally. And so, and that was through 12 different country specific campaigns. And so that just was just a our little app. bit of work. Yeah. So that was <laughs> on our app and our website. We had and and we had a Venmo app campaign. We partnered with with several of our um different organizations that we we are close with, such as Uber and Humble Bundle and GoFundMe. Um we had a neat campaign with Uber and the International Rescue Committee. Mm-hmm. So we raised several million dollars from that campaign where uh, people who were, you know, completing a ride could then make a donation via Uber, you know, and through PayPal Giving Fund to IRC. Um, so, and then we also have something called um, called Generosity Network, where we had over 2,200 campaigns that were created. So PayPal fundraisers, and that also raised several, several million, uh, million dollars. And um, and so that was, you know, the customer engagement that we did was was one of the biggest pieces. Um, another is the product piece. So that was where we enabled person to person receive capabilities in Ukraine within nine days. And that's something that usually takes nine to 12 months. And okay, so let's, that might, let's pause there for a second. Yeah. Nine right. days instead yes. of nine to 12 months. Yes. Okay. I want to so dig was, into that one a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. So it was an all hands on deck, you know, sort of thing. And it was, it was amazing. So that was, you know, and, and we have seen hundreds of million dollars now sent directly to people in Ukraine via, you know, that Ukraine enablement project. So, um, you know, so, so that one, I would say what's, what's, what's unique about the Ukraine response was that it was a much longer response. It was, um, around two to three months. Mm-hmm. And we had a daily stand up. It was, you know, every morning for two to three months where the core folks who were responding would come together. We were continuously monitoring the situation. And what one thing we were doing is we started out with a lot of the large humanitarian, amazing, you know, relief orgs. And then as it became clearer, we started to add some of the the more hyper local organizations. Right. And that's also something that we, you know, have is part of our framework that we recommend. And so that was something we started doing. Um, and then, of course, for employees, there was a lot. We did a lot for employees, for them to make donations as well and come together. Um, and then same with our executive engagement there. Um, we had a lot of public statements and support. Um, and um, it goes on and on. So that was that in a, in, you know, in a nutshell, though, that's what we did for Ukraine. There are so many different pieces of that. Okay, I want to I want to glean some best practices from that a little bit later. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit more about this journey. I'm guessing that you learned some things in the process. What have you come to identify as best practices for corporate rapid response? And how would you advise listeners to effectively plan for them, assess, and then also determine really high quality response strategies? Yeah. So I, you know, in thinking about anyone who's listening to this, um, what I find fascinating about rapid response is that it's sort of, you know, really anyone's role or job. We're all keeping track of current events. We're all paying attention to these things. And our our employees, our customers, our shareholders, the communities we live and work in expect us to do something, not in right. every moment, but often, you know, and I think that's only going to grow over time even more. We And so, so 
To me, what's very interesting about this is it is a, I would say, a growing area of focus for many companies. Some organizations may not already have a dedicated resource, so it might be kind of piecemealed together through a variety of different folks. If you can have a dedicated resource, even if it's one person doing this as half of their role, which is what I'm doing, or having a full-time person or even a team, you know, when and where that's possible, what's what's great about it is that it cuts across all the different sorts of areas of focus your company may have. So whether you're focusing on gender and women's issues or climate or, you know, economic empowerment and whatnot, um, education, I mean, rapid response has an impact across all of those areas of focus. So that's, that's one is, you know, trying to have some sort of dedicated resource. Um, another is, is just taking the time to actually do an assessment of where you are and looking back at some of the issues you have responded to, or you have not responded to. And that includes then sort of, you know, thinking about possibly bringing together, um, some, some form of a tiger team if possible, Mm -hmm. where it's not a huge lift, it's an hour or two a week, you know? And so it doesn't have to be a huge lift. But we know there are going to be more things happening. And so, you know, more crises. So that's another one. And then last, I would say it comes down to um, leveraging what what has what is already out there. So it's just to me, this is an interesting area where I feel like when it comes to corporate rapid response, we're building and building and building upon, what, you know, one another's learnings. And that is beautiful. And that's the way it should be. So I know with a lot of my peers, um, you have shared resources with me. I have shared resources with you. No one should be in this alone, right? Like that we have a collective goal to raise the funds that are needed and to impact the lives that are impacted by these various crises. And so I think that, you know, that all of those best practices that are coming to light can be leveraged to then help create your flexible framework. And it doesn't have to be starting from scratch whatsoever. So that's right. that, you know, that's what I would, you know, sort of recommend um, if anyone's considering this. Okay. One thing we talk about a lot is stakeholders and who are your stakeholders. So I'm going to ask you, who are your stakeholders and how do they inform your response strategies and your framework? We have three main stakeholders. So we think about number one is our employees. The company wouldn't run without our employee base, right? So mm-hmm. we always important our employees are. We have employees in over 15 countries. And so in times of crisis, we often leverage our community base. And, and you know, the world is so connected now. So even if an employee is in the UK and something happens, you know, in India, they care deeply often about these things that are happening. So employees for us are, are number one. We also, another stakeholder is our customers. So our customers are, are all over the world. And, and so that's a very important group for us. And then finally, it's the company. And so we think about in that group, we think about where we're located, we think about um, uh, the reputation of our Mm -hmm. company itself. And we also think about um, our shareholders and those who are investing in us. And so that's how we think about the three different key stakeholders. And then I'm guessing that depending on how each of those are impacted, that's then what kind of facilitates your your proposal for response. Yeah, so the way we've designed our scorecard is that when we try to add that objectivity and mm-hmm. we look at a certain crisis, 
we will actually have a score for each of those stakeholder areas. So it could be that it'll be a certain level for employee, but a different level for Mm -hmm. the corporation or a certain level for customer, different for, you know, with certain crises, it's the highest level across all of the stakeholder categories. So Ukraine's an example um, where it was the highest level for all three. Uh, But that's part of the nuance for us specifically that was important to include. I think it goes back to the art and science, as you were saying. Yes, definitely. Okay, so you mentioned Ukraine again, and I said I wanted to bring this back up. You did something that normally would have taken nine months to a year, and you did it in nine days. How do you facilitate consistency, equity, and true impact while also knowing that you have to roll something out super fast? Yeah, so as as the, the war in Ukraine sort of began and we started to see what was happening, um, it came to light that there were people who were internally uh, displaced within Mm -hmm. the country and they no longer, and and many people, even if they weren't displaced and they were in Kyiv, they were not able to access money. And so we put together, um, there was a, a team internally that led this project to as quickly as possible turn on the ability for people in Ukraine to receive money via PayPal. And so that's an example of a project that would normally take up to a year even to roll out many, many different people. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were able to do it in nine days. And I think it was a combination of, obviously it had galvanized the whole world. And, you know, it was, it was something on everyone's mind. It was a very tactical, specific um, meaningful way that we could use our core capabilities to show up right away um, for people who needed this this support and needed access to finance, you know, and access to money. Um, and so it was supported from our highest levels of our leadership, you know, all the way throughout the company. And so, and there was support to prioritize this over anything else. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's important I was too. Yes, exactly. So so there was a willingness with managers to then clear, you know, other priorities off and do some reprioritization. So that's a big piece of it. I think it's also though weaved into the like the heart and core of a lot of my colleagues and you know, sort of our DNA. And so there's a lot of mission-driven folks, right? And so people just rolled up their sleeves and dove in and you know, moved mountains together. It really helped to have that executive leadership and then it cascaded down from there. Mm-hmm. And now there has been over $350 million that has been sent um, to people in Ukraine um, directly from PayPal um, since the start. And that's another example of where we did waive the fees for that, um, you know, in, uh, to, to in, in enable the most amount of money to reach the people who needed it. I want to veer off a little bit, but kind of in the same vein, what does your intake process look like? You can't necessarily be proactive if you don't have partners ahead of time. So what, yeah, I guess, what is your intake process? And then how do you, how do you proactively partner? Well, so we proactively partner by sort of Mm pre-vetting. So it's something that's always happening. And we have the pre-vetting. We we look at organizations across all of the countries where we, we operate or where we have employees. And we look at what are the most typical kinds of, you know, disasters that happen. This is an interesting area where when you want to be proactive, 
it, this is where it's easier to focus on the natural disasters. There's some predictability to typhoons and that kind of thing. Right. Earthquakes so much, but there are certain types where you can, you know, um, do some pre-work. So we'll try to do that where we can. Um, but essentially what we do is we look for organizations. Um, so in the, in times of an actual crisis, we'll first, we'll look at does like, who are the organizations that are responding? How are they responding? What are they doing? And what's great is sometimes organizations like Engage for Good or others will have these calls and they'll invite four or five organizations to share how they're responding to Turkey and Syria, Hurricane Ian, whatever it is. And so that's, we try to join those and learn as much as we can. Um, and we tend to skew at the beginning towards focusing on the larger humanitarian orgs, but then, um, you know, and, and, and often I will say it's, it's, um, you know, I guess it's not a huge surprise, but unfortunately there are bad actors that can come up right. in times of crisis. And we have to be very careful about that as is everyone. So we do have to do extra vetting, but we, we try to find eventually a blend of supporting hyper-local um, organizations who are on the ground with some of the larger organizations. And so, so that's really, you know, so we're, we're looking at, um, organizations who have a proven capacity for responding to this type of a, you know, crisis. Um, the, uh, you know, of course, the, any organization has to be in good standing with the appropriate regulatory right. bodies. We have a whole process internally, a charitable contribution review committee that has to review anything we do. And so that includes our friends in anti-bribery and corruption, in risk and fraud, in reputation management, in legal and all sorts of different teams who, you know, any organization has to has to pass through them as well. Um, and then once we've made the decision that we found a wonderful org that we want to work with, we do things like ensuring that they're enrolled with PayPal Giving Fund um, and that they can also be part of our employee campaigns. Um, and then we, you know, start the partnership. So that's that's really our process. I like it. Okay. I feel like I could ask you more questions, but you are joining us at conference. So we're going to save them for then. Anybody who's listening, come join us in just a couple weeks in Atlanta. Karen, last question for you, because I'm sure people will have questions at different phases. Where can they learn more about you and PayPal's work? I would say for me, please find me on LinkedIn. And in terms of learning more about our social impact work at PayPal, we have um, we have a link that we can share with you that includes how we approach social impact. Um, and it also has our global impact report. And that has a lot more information for anybody who wants to geek out even more about it. Awesome. Well, we will include all of that in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. Karen, thanks so much for joining me, for giving us a little bit of a view into your work and for sharing your expertise. Thanks, Allie. Thanks so much. The Engage for Good podcast is produced in partnership with True Story FM, engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week is by Kudiman and Rex Banner. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you'll consider doing just that for our show. But the best thing you can do to support Engage for Good is simply to share the show with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.